Well, Michael, we are back. It's been a while since our last emergency goalies. They get about a couple months, but we are back and we have a lot of Blackhawks news. A lot of Blackhawks news. So let's get to it. I mean, where do you want to start? Well, I mean, rather than starting on a down note, I, I guess we could sort of talk about the Duncan Keith trade at first. Um, I mean, I guess that is also kind of a downer in that, uh, you know, obviously they're getting rid of a franchise icon, but, you know, at least he's going out on his own terms. He wants, he wanted out. This wasn't just a a salary dump trade or anything like that. It was uh, initiated by Keith, who I think we've kind of suspected for a little while anyway. Um, some separation issues from his uh, child after a, what seemed like a slightly messy divorce. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, uh, the COVID lockdown only exacerbated things last year where it sounds like he only got to see him a couple of times with his, uh, you know, with the, the you know, his uh, ex-wife and kid living in Canada. So yeah, uh, requested the trade to Western Canada to try and be closer to him and the Blackhawks were able to accommodate him. Uh, you know, obviously it sucks to see Duncan Keith go. I, that's not somebody that, uh, he was the one of the, you know, the, the big three, I, I I really thought Keith was the one that would actually finish here just because of the way his contract was. And, um, but, uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, and he had always talked about wanting to stay and wanting to play into his forties and. Mm-hmm. I just kind of felt like, yeah, that, you know, I could see him doing that. Um, but yeah, it seemed like it uh, came together awfully quick. Just like, yeah, I guess when the players are motivated, then right. Yeah, you know, you wonder if if the Blackhawks could have maybe gotten into the playoffs mm-hmm. and with the COVID restrictions lifting a little bit this year, that you know maybe he could have you know, maybe he would have wanted to stick around a little bit, but with the Blackhawks kind of going deeper into a rebuild, um, you know, I, I think it just makes sense from both ends to just kind of move on and he gets to play with, you know, obviously a team, the Blackhawks beat in the playoffs two years ago, but um, you know, obviously a team with two of the best players in the world and a greater chance at uh, making a little noise in the playoffs and I guess potentially giving, getting him another cup before mm-hmm. he, before he uh, uh, calls it quits, but yeah, I mean, you know, we didn't get anything fantastic back. Uh, you know, the biggest part of the deal for me is the fact that the Hawks didn't have to retain any salary. Uh, so that you, um, were you surprised by that? That they didn't I, have to pay? I, I, I was slightly surprised by it. Um, I thought, you know, ah, oh, they probably have to retain like maybe like a million, something like that. Um, and uh, I, I would have thought, oh, if they retain a million, I could see a, a return like the one that they got mm-hmm. um, where, you know, it was like a, you know, kind of a, a sort of a prospect, you know, former prospect who hasn't quite established himself and, you know, kind of like a mid-round pick. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously they were able to pull that off uh, mm-hmm. without retaining salary. I thought the Blackhawks m- might be willing to retain up to 50% to actually try and get a return back. Mm-hmm. 
but obviously they felt like the cap space was more important than, you know, potentially getting a, you know, like a second round or a first round pick instead of, um, you know, the third rounder next year that they got, which is, you know, by draft pick uh, value that kind of goes around the NHL, you know, a, a third round pick next year is essentially worth a fourth round pick this year. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, uh, I'm a little surprised that they uh, decided to protect both Jones and Stillman in the mm-hmm. expansion draft. Um, obviously, they're just they're going with youth and cost control there. Uh, you know, the fact that they were decided not to retain any salary on Keith and accepted a smaller return, plus the fact that they've exposed um, uh, Nikita Zadorov in the expansion draft to me means that they're either significantly cutting back and just accepting that this is going to be a full rebuild this year, um, maybe try and get into the bottom five sort of thing, or they want the cap space to actually try and make a move and improve the defense and get actual top pairing guys, which is, you know, something that we've talked about for years on this, that the Blackhawks are not going to compete until they get probably two actual top three defensemen. Yeah. They currently have none. No. And you do, you do wonder, but shedding all the salary, mm -hmm. would that be more of an indication that they're going for a big defenseman? Or is it just, am I reading too much into that? Like I said, I think it's one of the two possibilities. They're, They're either giving themselves the opportunity to add a big defenseman or potentially even two, or if that doesn't work out, they can, you know, pivot. they can just pivot and, you know, not necessarily try to be bad, but not necessarily do what, what they, you know, all that they can to be better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, next year's draft does have, I don't know if we'd call it a generational player, but, you know, one of those players that um, could potentially, change the fortunes of a franchise a little bit, the kind of building block that you're, you know, really looking for in the draft um, with Shane Wright. So, um, you know, giving yourself a decent chance at that is not a horrible strategy, but obviously, you know, the Blackhawks, we've talked about it before too. With Patrick Kane, it's really difficult to ever finish that low as long as Patrick Kane continues to play like Patrick Kane. And you know, um, and if um, Taves is back and right, Doc, yeah, you get you, they're going to have a lot more center depth this year than they had last year. Um, obviously, they will be at least at this point, they will be relying more on young defensemen again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if they do end up with a uh, you know, a Jones or uh, Dougie Hamilton, uh, that uh, would certainly improve things a little bit, mm-hmm. but unless they get both, I don't think, or, you know, one of those guys and another, you know, top pairing level caliber defenseman, I don't think uh, anything would make a significant uh, jump yeah. in the, the Blackhawks chance, chances at anything. Yeah. I guess we should um, address that a little bit too, that uh, Jonathan Tabes announced he's coming back. Yes. They still hasn't gotten into 
full details, but it sounds like long COVID or something yeah. related to that. But he's says he's ready to go. So yeah, well, it, at least it sounds like he's going to give it a try anyway. Um, that he's improving and that he thinks that by the time training camp rolls around, he'll be ready to give it his best effort. I still don't think it's a hundred percent that, you know, he's going to be back or at least back to being Jonathan Taves again. Um, you know, I, I, they even brought it up, you know, in regards to his playoff performance um, back in 2019, where, you know, he had that great series against Edmonton and then, he disappeared against Vegas and, you know, we kind of chalked it up to, Oh, well, I mean, Vegas is a significantly more structured, bigger, faster team. Um, And the Blackhawks, you know, Jonathan Taves and some of the other guys just, you know, weren't able to kind of keep up against that, but it does sound like they said that, you know, he was, he, he went from feeling good in the Edmonton series to just kind of crashing in the Vegas series. And so you just, you don't know really what to expect with this. Is it the sort of thing where it's going to come in waves for him? And, you know, maybe he gets into training camp and feels good, gets off to a good start maybe, but then dips something bad. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, uncharted territory for everybody here. So, you know, you just got to hope for the best and, um, not just for the Blackhawks' sake, but for Jonathan Taves' sake, certainly, um, most importantly, and hopefully it's not something that, you know, is debilitating for him throughout the rest of his life, that, um, you know, obviously he can live a full, healthy life and yeah, yeah. not not have ramifications from this. But, obviously, you know, yeah. great to see him back on the ice anyway. And yeah, so. it certainly helps um, slot the Blackhawks' forwards more appropriately to their skill levels if he can come back and be a top six center along with with Kirby Doc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's gonna put a lot that less pressure. Really help, yes. Gonna put a lot less pressure on a guy like David Camp. Yes. That sort of thing. So yeah. All right. Well I guess we talked about it a little bit at the very beginning we hinted at it, but we've got to talk about the really bad news which is this um, scandal surrounding the Blackhawks and this stuff that happened in 2010. And I, I don't know really how to say, but we've got to uh, address this because it's a huge story that's just lurking above the Blackhawks. Yeah, it's, it, uh, you know, uh, just to kind of do a high level recap of it, it sounds like the uh, Blackhawks video coach um, made some inappropriate passes at uh, at least one of the players on the team at the time. Um, the strength and conditioning coach, I think it was, or the skating coach, I can't remember, yes. was made aware of it. Some of the other players were aware of what was going on and a meeting was called with John McDonough and Stan Bowman, uh, Norm McIver, and I think the team, uh, like not the psychiatrist, but the mental skills coach, I think yes. were, were the four people involved in the meeting. And uh, they were made aware of it. Um, they decided not to report the incident to the police. Um, and 
from all indications, they just kind of let the situation simmer for the last 10 days or 14 days of the season, whatever it was, because this, this occurred during uh, the playoff run in 2010. Um, But then once the season was over, the parade happened, he was just kind of, they just axed him um, or asked him to leave. Not quietly. You're you're fired, but not really fired sort of thing. And this guy moved on to a, uh, did some coaching at a college, had more issues there, eventually started working at a high school, I think it was, and finally got caught and reported and arrested and and, uh, sent to prison, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I do believe he's out now. Yes. Um, But But this was all kept quiet from the public for 10 years. Right, exactly. And, you know, it sounds like it um, perhaps during the playoffs, it was kind of limited to a handful, perhaps more people. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the, you know, over the years, uh, eventually everybody on the team and that kind of found out about it. I think Jonathan Taves had said he didn't find out until the following training yes. camp. Um, and then, you know, a couple of former players have come out and said everybody knew, but they didn't necessarily specify when everybody knew. Um, so you can read into that what you will, but yeah, it's, uh, obviously a morally repugnant uh, approach that the Blackhawks took to it. Um, Now this is all, a lot of it is coming to light now because of lawsuits that have been filed against the Blackhawks by um, I think two, there's two separate lawsuits if I remember correctly. Yeah. I think one, um, the victim in the high school, I think soon. Right. And one of the former players. Players. That's right. Yes. Thank you. And I mean, honestly, not that I'm a legal expert or anything, the Blackhawks are trying to get these cases dismissed Mm -hmm. from all I'm reading and seeing. I think they've actually got a pretty good chance of dismissing these. Uh, And honestly, they do not have any legal obligation to report these crimes because nothing didn't happen against the minor. It didn't happen against a disabled person. I honestly don't think that there is any legal ramifications. It's one of those those things where it's like, they didn't do anything illegal, but it's not right. It's exactly. They deserve all of the bad PR that they have coming to them. They deserve to be dragged through the mud. I do think people should get fired. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, well, you as do far, as far as losing those lawsuits, I don't think that they will. Yeah, but you do wonder that McDonough's firing before. You do wonder if this is. I'm sure it played a role. Yeah, I'm sure it played a role that they probably had rumblings that some of this might stuff might be coming down the pipe. Um, you know, and you know, it always comes down to oh, you know, was it probably McDonough's decision in the end? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does that absolve anybody else in that room? No, no it doesn't. Um, you know, uh, uh, it was the was it the strength and conditioning coach or skating coach? I can't remember. Is the one that brought it up? Pretty sure to, strength and conditioning. Yeah, he's the one that brought it up to mm-hmm. you know the higher ups. I guess he was a former law enforcement officer, um, and 
you know, so he was taking it very seriously, but at the same time, he also didn't report it to the no. police. And, you know, so that's just one of those things where it's like, I, I don't think anybody in this situation did the right thing. No. Um, but, you know, I just, I, you know, and it, the only thing that would really put the Blackhawks in any kind of legal jam that I can think of is if they actually did be stupid enough to give this guy a, an actual letter of recommendation. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure they didn't do that. No, they didn't. Um, that would be, that would be shockingly stupid. Um, you know, but they, they, but by not saying anything, you essentially give a stamp of approval to a guy like that, Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, if he goes to a college and he's like, Oh, hell, I was just, I was just the, you know, I was working for the Blackhawks. I just want to stay with the Why would, why wouldn't they hire him? You know? Exactly. So by not saying anything, you are essentially, again, not legally, but morally, you are yes. giving that person their stamp of mm-hmm. approval. And so, again, morally repugnant, awful for PR, awful, just that all around should get dragged through the mud. Mm-hmm. I, I think people should get fired, but yes. I'm not making those decisions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the Blackhawk strategy at this point, and you can already see they're being very quiet. They're not making comments. I think even their social media has been much more quiet than usual, despite the fact, you know, that they're trading Duncan Keith They're yeah. um, you know, they're the expansion like, draft coming up, they have the actual draft coming up, but they're, they're pretty battened down right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the strategy is just going to be, we got to get these cases thrown out. Yes. And then we figure out how we weather the PR nightmare that's going to come from this. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, and they're doing. I really this, wish I knew how it was going to play out, yeah. but um, they're doing this internal, internal yeah, investigation. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. I don't I, I don't give any credence to that, especially since they're not going to make it any make it public. So the question really is that I'm thinking is. What is the league going to do? I honestly don't think that the league is going to do anything. The league is not taking this stuff as seriously as they should um, at any point. Um, I I think the the league is very much interested in their own PR and it doesn't Mm -hmm. do them service to, um, you know, shine a spotlight on this. I'm sure they're hoping it's just Mm going to go away after a while as well. Yeah. but uh, I mean, honestly, I, at the very least, I wouldn't mind the league handing down some suspensions if nobody's yeah. going to get fired. One of the things that I'm curious about is that that could actually change things was, is did Rocky know? Yes. Because um, Rocky was not mentioned as being part of that meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, so is, the, is, this some, is this something that McDonough swept under the rug without informing his yeah boss and if that happened if if that happened i could see oh okay rocky ordering this internal investigation and if he finds out that you know a bunch of people did stuff that is just even worse than what we've already heard Mm -hmm. maybe then he just says you know what you guys are all done um yes but does it sound like at some point that kind of information could have gotten up, gotten to him over there? Uh, yeah, yeah. And maybe that's what 
potentially that's what prompted, uh, you know, the, the firing of McDonald last year is maybe that uh, information eventually got up to the words family. I don't yes. know. You but know. well, you have the stories about McDonough being kind of a, kind of like a dictator. Exactly. And yeah. So, and I could, I mean, I could see him not informing mm-hmm. the words family of this, that he, you know, just wanted to, that he would just want to take care of it himself. But at the same time, you know, this is, you know, a multi-billion dollar business. Um, but I mean, you know, in, how in the loop, yeah. you know, how in the loop is the words family? I don't really know. Yes, Maybe in, yes. you know, not just Rocky, but now um, with what's his kid's name? I can't remember uh, the Peter. one that's involved now, Peter. Maybe that's what prompted Peter to mm-hmm. become more involved in yes. that, hey, you know, we were letting McDonough run all this and all, and, and look what happened. Maybe we need to take a more personal yes. interest in what is happening within the organization. I could definitely see that being a factor in those moves. And in hindsight, a lot of this stuff is starting to kind of line up a little bit more like the Blackhawks were um, yeah. needing to clean house, maybe aligning, you know, the, the family aligning themselves a little bit more in the loop. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, just ugly business all around. Um, it's but, obviously, yeah. yeah, just you know, uh, the the fact that it, you know, it lasted long enough where, you know, it eventually affected a minor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Blackhawks didn't say anything. Apparently, there were multiple incidents with the coach at the college that he went to after yeah, he yeah. played. You know, after he coached with the Hawks, they didn't report anything. And then, yeah, you know, again, you know, the guy inserts himself into a, into a youth hockey organization. Again, what are they going to say? No to a guy that, you know, coached at college and coached in the NHL, you know, again, with saying anything, it's a stamp of approval. Yeah. It really goes to the whole problem in our whole society about not doing enough to stop this kind of stuff. Exactly. Well, and, you know, honestly, I remember a few little like i don't know if they were internet conversations or whatever or just people you know making the comment of whatever happened to that guy he just went away mm-hmm. and i think there was even an article that came out is where he came you know got interviewed and he just said yeah i just you know i didn't want to deal with mm-hmm. the um um you know the travel and the you know the the lifestyle of the pros. I prefer going to, you know, yeah, yeah. doing a, taking a smaller role in college and, you know, well, you, the at, the, at the time you think, Oh, okay. Well, I, mean, yeah. I guess that makes sense. But how yeah. often do you actually see that? Should we have no, maybe no. seen that as a warning sign? And well, that's the other thing too, that this guy was an assistant coach for Quenbo. Then they asked Quenbo this summer, did he said he'd never heard of anything about it? Yeah. And I just, uh, He's one of your assistants. You wouldn't have heard that. Again, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like how compartmentalized are things, you know, is it possible Rocky didn't know? Sure. Is it possible Quindle didn't know? It's not out of the realm of possibility in that, you know, sometimes the people that are at the top are not informed of these things that, you know, they're insulated um, you know, yeah. that the main assistant coach or whatever would, mm-hmm. you know, be the one that all that stuff gets funneled up through them. Yes. And if that assistant decides, oh, you know, especially, you know, oh, we're heading into the finals. I don't want to 
bother Quendel with this. We're mm -hmm. just going to, you know, sometimes that information doesn't move up the, the chain. Yeah. And, you know, I, I definitely believe that all the players eventually found out, yeah. you know, whether it was right away or relatively quickly, I can see that information filtering mm -hmm. through all the players without issue. But again, the coaches don't necessarily interact in the same way with the players mm -hmm. that the players do with each other. Yeah, and so uh, is it in the realm of possibility? Quite didn't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's possible willful ignorance a little bit involved in yeah. that, but I do think it is possible, but if you ask me, do do I think Quenville knew? No, yeah, I think he knew. I, I think probably within a year or two of it happening, I think he probably knew. But you know, at the time, I could definitely see him not. You know, I can definitely, definitely see them. You know, somebody, whether it's McDonough or one of the assistant coaches, just saying, "Don't don't tell the other players. Don't tell Quenville. We want them focused on the finals." Yes, but I, you know, this is this story is not going away. No, it's gonna gonna be here so and we'll yep. keep talking about it when news comes up during the yep. the year but we'll move on and obviously this whole thing is just another question mark but we're, we're, we'll move on here so yeah um obviously the two big events coming up are the expansion draft and the draft so and i will we will have an We'll do an episode after the draft, so yep. you can talk about who the Blackhawks actually pick, but I just thought a couple of thought, your thoughts on the draft. Sure. Um, I guess we can start with the expansion draft real quick. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Nikita Zadorov is the biggest name that is being made available uh, for Seattle to pick. Um, I do think it's possible they choose not to draft him for the same reason that the Blackhawks have looked to move Zadorov and decided to allow him to be eligible for this draft. Yeah. You know, Zadorov made 3.2 million last year. He is eligible for arbitration, which means it's almost assured he's going to get a raise. And I'm not sure that Zadorov is actually worth more than the 3.2 million that he made last year. I think that's an accurate reflection of his skill set. He is a defensive defenseman who handles certain parts of the defensive zone very well, a um, little inconsistent at times, but, yes. you know, he, he provides value in the defensive zone, but he's a complete negative once the puck ends up on his yes. stick. And yeah, he's a, difficult. He's a turnover know. machine, yeah. Yes, it's difficult to pay those guys more than, you know, roughly three, maybe $3.5 million. You know, they're, they're number four defensemen who might even be better suited and, you know, as a, as a number five. Mm -hmm. um, and you just, you don't want to get tied up into bigger dollars than that with a guy like that. Oh. So I do think it's possible that Seattle will just simply pass on him. I think they, they they have other restricted free agents that they can, choose from other teams who provide yes. similar value who have not yet reached that level mm -hmm. of um contract i have seen reports that they are considering taking him but yes yeah but you know is that maybe floated by the blackhawks i don't know maybe um you know obviously the blackhawks there were rumblings that they tried to trade him at the trade deadline last year didn't happen mm -hmm. they were trying to trade him leading up to the expansion draft roster freeze didn't happen 
Uh, I think every team in the league basically has the exact same concern with Zadorov is that he wants more money than he's actually worth. Yes. Uh, beyond Zadorov. Yeah. Oh. I was going to ask you, are there any other players you, know, you think might be more likely? Dahan is, uh, you know, a potential target for Seattle. Again, I think there are better options for them, but he is on an expiring deal where, oh, you know, maybe if they pick him, they think that they can retain half of his salary and trade him at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline and get a decent return for him. I think that's too risky, especially since his actual salary is higher than his cap hit. His cap hit is already uh, 4.5 million or something like that, which is, again, he's very much like Zadorov. You don't want to pay him more than 3 million or so. So, and the fact that he's, you know, his cap hits four something and his actual salary is five something. I, I, just, I don't see any reason why a team would take him. Uh, Conley's another big cap hit. Again, I don't see Seattle taking him. Um, so that leaves basically Adam Gaudette and then Malcolm Subin, Subban and Colin Delia and Ryan Carpenter are essentially yeah. the only other guys. I do think it's possible that Seattle just takes somebody like Benny Hinnestroza mm-hmm. and which is essentially passing on any of the Blackhawks players yeah. um, because, you know, they taking a pending free agent like Hinnestroza doesn't necessarily mean that they want to sign him, but you know, that's a consideration with Seattle in that they have to draft somebody from every team, but they don't necessarily want to draft somebody from no. every team. They don't want 32 NHL contracts or 30, no. 30 NHL contracts, I guess, Vegas and themselves are not obviously involved. So, um, you know, Vegas took the same tact track where, um, you know, they essentially passed a couple of times. Um, and I do think the Blackhawks with the limited options that they have available, that's definitely yeah. something that they, that they could choose to do. However, I do think Gaudette or Subban are, mm-hmm decent enough options at cheap enough salaries where they might just go ahead and take them. And then they could kind of look at it in training camp of, Oh, if we have to pass Malcolm Subban through waivers and he doesn't make Mm -hmm. it through waivers, no big deal, no big deal. Yeah. Um, So I'm not too worried about anything that the Blackhawks are going to lose in the expansion draft. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a little bit of upside with Adam Goddard. He does have some skills. Um, You know, he, suffered from, uh, I guess, an illness. Um, yeah. He has a stomach condition, which... Um, that is underweight and stuff, yeah. Yeah, kept him from gaining weight for throughout the entirety of his career, kind of affected him. He apparently has come out and said that he's figured, you know, they've they've kind of figured yeah, out how to control that, and he's starting to gain some strength. He's got so. very little, very little of him. Right. I mean, he guy. only played a couple of games, you know, the fact that he was dealt for um, straight up for Matthew Highmore, who's, yeah. you know, like a, a border, borderline NHL player. NHL player, yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of shows that the value that Adam Gaudet had. But at the same time, he does, he has scored at the NHL level before. And mm-hmm. if he's potentially healthier, maybe there's some upside there. So, uh, yeah. you know, whether he ends up with Vegas or the Blackhawks, you know, eh. <laughs> you're going to lose somebody in the expansion draft. That's just the way it yes. is. Um, so moving on from that, um, the actual draft, 
is going to be this weekend. Uh, the Blackhawks will be picking 11th. Um, they finished with the 11th worst record. Seattle gets slotted in there ahead of them, but then Arizona has to forfeit their pick because of um, uh, violations last year at the draft combine. So the Blackhawks, oh. yeah, they, they, there were, there was not supposed to be any testing of players because of COVID last year. And oh, apparently Arizona actually tested players. Cause I was um, wondering, I saw the Arizona pick was void and I was like, yeah, how do you void yeah. a pick? Yep. That's, that's why that's their, it's a punishment for them. Yeah. Um, so to me, there's kind of, there's probably about 15 players that I think are in play for the Blackhawks um, with the 11th pick. Uh, there's probably seven guys, Owen Power, William Eklund, Matthew Beniers, Dylan Gunther, Luke Hughes, Brant Clark, Kent Johnson, that I don't think are going to make it to the Blackhawks. Um, I think you can also throw Mason McTavish and probably Simon Edmondson in there as well. So that's nine guys. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not quite as high on McTavish and Edmondson as some scouts are. I do like both players. Um, Edmondson's a a big defenseman who skates really well. He is confident out on the ice, but he's like the oldest of the, of the top prospects in this draft. And I think he does some things that are very risky that I don't think he can get away with against NHL competition. Yeah. Now it's a question of, is he going to be able to adapt his game? Um, I think, you know, it's certainly possible he can and kind of back away a little bit from some of those risky moves. But with the information, you know, with the, the looks I've had, I, I at least have that question. And he's a guy I think he could go anywhere from like third to, you know, probably not beyond the Blackhawks or somebody like that, you know, mm-hmm. third through 12. But um and uh, so I, I think the most likely targets in the Blackhawks range are going to be um, Cole Sillinger, who is a center slash wing. Um, yeah. He played in the USHL. He's the son of, uh, uh, drawing a blank on his dad's name, um, but, uh, you know, NHL bloodlines. Okay. He's got a good size. Um, one of the best shooters in the draft. Um, he wins a lot of good. He's, he's good at winning board battles. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets pretty good reports for his defense. In the looks I've had at him, he's floated a lot on defense, but part of that might be, you know, at, at, when they're playing at the, you know, the junior level, the USH it's level. It's about scoring, yeah. Well, it's about scoring and also, you know, these guys are significantly better than their teammates. So they're playing yes. huge amounts of minutes and they just that have to conserve, conserve energy sometimes you um, know, in the, in the NHL, they might only play 12, 15 minutes and they can go full yeah. out more often. So I trying to think of his dad too. Sillinger. Yeah, I, I know. Is there a Corey, name. Corey Sillinger? Or maybe I'm thinking Corey Stillman. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, but anyway, you know, his dad was a decent NHL player, but not, you know, anything, Great, yeah. but you know, still obviously NHL bloodlines. Yeah. Um, another guy is Chaz Lucius, who played for the U.S. national development team. Again, he's a center, 
more likely to end up on the wing as a pro. Uh, he is a right-handed shot, uh, a goal scorer. Uh, you know, he, he maybe doesn't have the, the pure shooting ability that Cole Sillinger has, but Lucius has really good hands um, and moves in tight. So he makes nice moves behind the net, along the boards, in front of the net. He just has a knack for 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 scoring in those from those areas and making yeah. plays. Uh, probably not the greatest on the defensive zone. He's not the greatest skater, but um, he's a, definitely a guy that should be able to score for you. I think he's probably yeah. a, a, a good second line winger who can help you out in power play opportunities. Yeah. Um, Matt Coronado is another winger uh, played for the Chicago steel in the USHL. So guy in the Blackhawks backyard. Yeah. I'm sure they got many and many, many looks at him. They are very familiar with him. Um, to me, he's he's kind of got like a third line player skill set. Um, mm-hmm. Just a lot of average, above average tools. Um, skates yes. probably above average. His shots above average, but he's kind of average size, out so, average strength. But what he's got. Uh, high floor, like, definitely. Yes, yeah. De- a definite NHL player. But I think what he's got going for him is he's got the motor. He's got mm-hmm. the the know-how. He knows where to be. He wants to be involved all the time. And I think he's one of those guys that can kind of elevate his skill set into a top six role. Another right-handed shot winger, um, which is something every NHL team is desperate for. You know, he almost um, sounds like um, like a Hagel. Um, not quite as quick as Hagel, um, not quite as torrid out on the ice where, you know, it's just kind of a hundred miles an hour all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a little more cerebral with how okay. he plays. Um, he's, he's got a knack for, he's kind of got the knack that Alex Debrinkit has for being in the right spot. Okay. Okay. Um, kind of more that type of player. Um, he does not have Alex Dabrinkit's shooting ability, though. No. He's, he's kind of a notch below that. I think he's more of a 20-ish, 25-ish goal scorer as opposed to a 40-type goal scorer. Right. But, you know, again, I think he can probably fit into an NHL roster, at least as a third liner, maybe as a second liner, um, and potentially help you out in all three phases, um, which is... Okay. A, a nice that's what you're looking for yeah you know he can maybe be a uh, and he's not as quick as like a patrick sharp but you know sharp helped out on power play penalty kill even strength i think coronado can kind of be that kind of uh factor yeah um, another winger um that gets widely varying grades depending on who you talk to i happen to like him is uh fabian lisa or liesel okay. um he's a swedish guy the probably the best skater among the top prospects, very good speed. He rushes through the neutral zone as well as anybody in this draft. Um, I've seen plenty of back checking for checking from him. You hear rumblings that he's maybe not the greatest teammate or whatever. Uh, and that some, um, some scouts don't like, um, uh, that maybe he's a little selfish in that, you know, he makes a lot of individual plays that doesn't necessarily translate so into, that, into scoring opportunities. He's got the bad teammate vibe, so to speak. 
But, yeah, yeah, but nobody's ever actually come out and said that. They just mm-hmm. you just kind of hear little rumblings of it. But I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say, you know, especially yeah. from across the pond during COVID. <laughs> just yeah, I yeah. don't know. But he's got elements to his game that I really like, and I, I'm curious where he ends up going because mm-hmm. um, I think he's he would be worthy of the 11th pick just based off of his skill set. Yeah, so a yeah. lot of it, a lot of it will come down to what teams think of him in the interviews and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I get the sense that you think they're going to go more forward center after all um, the defensemen they picked before. Well, you know, there's four big defensemen in this draft. I kind of talked about Edmondson. Uh, Owen Power is probably going to go first overall. I think he's probably more like the second or third best player, but uh, he's going to go at the top. Um, and then Luke Hughes and Brant Clark are two others that are almost assuredly going to go top 10, maybe even, you know, in the four five, six okay. range. Um, after that, there's kind of a drop off mm-hmm. and there are a couple of guys um, that could sneak into the teens. Uh, Carson Lambos is a guy, Carson Coleman's um, Kirill Kurosanov is a guy that I like a lot more than some scouts seem to like. Uh, I think he's a mid first rounder, but, um, he's not the highest upside offensive player. So I most scouts seem to have him late first sometime in the second round. I'm a, I would love to see, get him in the second round. Um, but yeah, there's kind of a drop off and in the, the, in the part of the draft where the Blackhawks are choosing, it's really those four wingers that I talked about. Mm-hmm. And then there are two goalies, Jesper Wallstadt and Sebastian Kossa. Um, Wallstadt's the guy that's been talked about for years. Um, not the greatest physical specimen. He's got good size, good positioning, uh, you know, pretty good movement. Doesn't wow you in any of those things, but mm-hmm. he's just been a, a top-notch goalie at every level. Uh, he played in, uh, in the men's league last year as a starter um, for a pretty good team held up really well. That's very rare um, for somebody in his age to, to be able to do that. So, you know, he's just kind of been a guy that's kind of been anointed for um, you know, really for a few years that he'd be eventually be a first round pick. And I I think he's definitely a possibility for the Blackhawks. I think there's a decent chance he goes in the top 10, so that might push one of the one of the forwards down to the Blackhawks, which yes. wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. No, I, I, that wouldn't bother me. No. Um, but if he's available, I, I could definitely see the Blackhawks pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they had discussions with teams last year to try and trade up for Yaroslav Askarov, who eventually went, I think it was 11th or 12th in the draft last year. Um, now the Blackhawks did... Um, choose a goalie in the second round last year mm-hmm. came off of his coming off of a good season, but you know, is he necessarily the next guy? I don't know. I, yeah. to, to get a potential franchise goalie like Wallstead, I, I definitely think they could um, pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, the other guy, Sebastian Casa uh, doesn't have the long track record, um, but he is huge. He is fast he's got all of the physical skills that you want from a goaltender and he came off of he's coming off of a fantastic season um now the one question mark with him uh he played on a dominant team Mm -hmm. 
uh, that has. So what's he gonna, what would he do on a worst Right. Game? You know, he, he stopped, he, he did his job. He stopped all of the shots mm-hmm. that he was supposed to stop, even probably some that he shouldn't have. But how often was he actually challenged mm-hmm. when, you know, uh, I think he only lost one game all year. Um, yeah. You know, his, his team was really, really good in front of him. And so is it possible he's a, is a uh, product of, you know, the team. I, I happen to think he's pretty good, but, you know, choosing goalies in the first round is tough as it is, yes. but yeah. But when, when you don't have the huge track record, it, it's, it's, it increases it, especially, you know, in a year like this where everything's a little uneven in Canada um, due to the COVID situation there being it's a little worse. Good. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, you, you'd be drafting him based off of the skills and, you know, a smaller track record. But again, I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if that happened, uh, you know, if they feel comfortable with it, uh, you know, uh, the Blackhawks have shown a pretty good, um, they've got good goalie coaches, uh, you know, they, they've been able to develop goalies really well. Um, so if those guys give the stamp of approval to either of them, I'd be behind it. So yeah. I think those six guys that I mentioned, Cylinder, Lucius, Coronado, Liesel, Wallstadt, Casa, I think one of those six is the most likely pick for the Blackhawks. If one of the top guys falls to them, awesome. Yes, uh, but I'm, probably not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not counting on that happening. Um, yep, all right. But yeah, so. Well, I think that's a good spot for us to end this, and we'll be back after the draft and see exactly what did maybe the some trades go down on the yeah day yeah i mean the, the blackhawks do have a couple of second round draft picks um you know the seth jones trade rumors continue mm-hmm. um obviously in the blackhawks they're in this duncan keith deal the blackhawks did they acquire brother, caleb yeah. jones I, I don't think that that had anything to do with <laughs> with bringing seth jones in well because um, they they have to trade for him if they get him, so it's not right. But contract. also, um, you know, Edmonton had limited options that they mm-hmm. could trade back to the Blackhawks. Uh, Jones was somebody that they were going to have to ex- to uh, expose in the expansion draft, um, so they were probably going to lose him for nothing. So I think mm-hmm. it was just kind of, um, you know, uh, coincidence. If, 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 yeah, it's more coincidence than anything. I don't think it had anything necessarily do with it but at the same time it certainly doesn't hurt the Blackhawks chances um as far as Jones being willing to sign an extension should the Blackhawks actually trade for him or potentially next year if he doesn't sign an extension anywhere else and he hits free agency maybe he's more willing to come to the Hawks yeah all right well we will be back after the draft and you know see what happens and Yeah, as always, go Hawks.